McLeod. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jay. All right, so the uh, Timberwolves win last night. They knock off the Houston Rockets 111-90 to to improve to 35-15. and Good second half, especially from Anthony Edwards in the third quarter. Your thoughts on last night's win? Well, the big thing is they uh, they got Chris Finch to the All Star game. He's going to coach the Western. He's going to coach the All Star game, and uh, and that was kind of a big point of emphasis. The players love him and wanted to get him there. They uh, celebrated a big way in the locker room afterward. Uh, you know, they all talked him up afterward. So, a uh, really cool thing. And uh, by the way. Uh, Chris came out to a, the Jack Rosinski Show podcast for us on Saturday night, spent about 40 minutes with us. It's a good interview if anybody wants to listen to that. A lot of stuff about his background and philosophies. Um, so really nice night for the franchise. Obviously, bad loss on Friday. They bounce back on Sunday. They're still tied for first in the West. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, you know, about 30 games left. Uh, four teams right there bunched together at the top, including what probably still is the best team in the NBA in the Denver Nuggets. What's the been the best team in over the last 30 games in the Clippers, a really good, well-coached team in Oklahoma City, and then the Wolves. So, you know, there's no guarantee the Wolves get anything better than a four seed, but it's going to be a fascinating stretch run to see where they do end up. Yeah, when you look at those standings, I mean, it is tight. I mean, the, the yeah. top four teams, I mean, the Clippers are right there, the Nuggets, the Thunder. Um, you know, Sacramento is five games back, so, I mean, it seems like they'd be the five, but, man, there's some good teams in that Western Conference. There's some really good teams, and, you know, not only do we not know where the Wolves are going to end up, and obviously they should go for the first seed, and I think they, they're investing everything they have. I wouldn't be surprised to make some kind of a trade uh, for backup point guard help here this week. Uh, Tyus Jones is the obvious target of that, uh, but it could be somebody else. Um, so it's a go-for-it season for the Wolves. They want to be the number one seed, but the reality is, we don't. We, I mean, it's a matchup sport. You know, they theoretically might be better as the four seed playing against a team they match up well against than being the number one seed and having to play maybe you know the Lakers as the Lakers are gearing up for a playoff run or or maybe if Phoenix gets hot at the wrong time you wouldn't want to play them. So you know, and the Clippers are great, but the Wolves actually match up pretty well with them because they can defend wings really well. Um, the Nuggets are great, but the Wolves actually. I think are capable of them giving them a good series. Uh, Oklahoma City, they don't, you know, Oklahoma City is really good and really well coached, but I think the Wolves wear them down over the course of a long season with Caesar series with their size. So, you know, there are the standings, and there's the there's the reality that they could end up with a terrible matchup or a great matchup in the first round. We don't know. I mean, New Orleans, uh, they they have a lot of trouble with Zion Williamson. If they had played New Orleans when Zion was healthy, uh, that could be a problematic too. Yeah, I mean, the, there are, I guess, challenges there. And, and, of course, keeping guys healthy. I mean, we, we saw last year when you don't have Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels, it was tough to, to be able to compete with the Nuggets, even though they did take one game from them. Yeah, they took one game from them. They almost won game four in Denver. Uh, and that was about Nas and Jaden, uh, as you said. Uh, so, yeah, health is definitely going to be a big factor. Um, there's just no margin for error here. Jim, when you look at uh, you know, the Twins, and they made some moves over the weekends, uh, yesterday signed a relief pitcher, Jay Jackson, who played for the Blue Jays last year. Pretty good numbers, 2.12 ERA in 29 and two-thirds innings. And uh, last Friday signed uh, veteran first baseman Carlos Santana to a one-year $5.25 million deal. Thoughts on those two moves? So the Santana deal is really interesting because he kind of gives them a version of Nelson Cruz, a veteran guy who can handle big situations. Now, Nelson Cruz came in here and was locked in as the number three hitter and was incredibly productive 
and was their best hitter. Uh, I don't think Carlos is going to be bad. I think Carlos is going to add to their options. Um, and he's an excellent defensive first baseman. So he could be your first baseman most days. And then Kirilov could be a DH and backup first baseman if he if he produces. Um, and that's, of course, if, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Kirilov is your left-handed DH and Buxton's your right-handed DH to keep him off the field a lot. Um, you know, so they're, they, what they, you know, what happened in 2022 is they put together what they thought was a good team and then they had injuries and they just don't ever want to have anything close to a lack of depth ever again. So I know fans want to see them make the splashy move in the offseason. What they've really done is build up an incredible number of good bullpen arms. Um, probably, you know, we don't know if they're going to have enough starting pitching depth, but I think I think what you're seeing here is you know, they knew they couldn't really go out and acquire a number two starter. They didn't have the trade capital. They weren't going to be able to spend that money. Um, so what they did is they said, okay, if we can get five innings out of our back-end rotation people, we have so many good bullpen arms that that's enough to win you a game. You know, um, I mean, we all still romantically love the idea of a pitcher going into the eighth or ninth inning, but the reality is, you know, modern baseball, if you have a great bullpen, you want to get to the bullpen fairly quickly. So if you can just get your fifth starter to give you five innings, that might be enough. And that's kind of been their winning formula, hasn't been? When you when you look at uh, teams, especially in the playoffs, that uh, they go to the bullpen relatively quickly. You know, you, you don't see those guys going seven or eight innings anymore. No, and the, and, and even in the regular season, listen, I think they'd love it if Pablo Lopez went seven innings every time out. You know, occasionally eight, um, but. When you talk about more limited pitchers, you know, the metrics are there. Would you rather have an average to mediocre pitcher pitch the sixth inning when he's tired and has to face people for the third time, which very few big league pitchers can succeed doing, or would you rather have somebody come out of the bullpen throwing 98 fresh? Um, again, old school thought is, you know, let the guy work through it. Let him learn how to pitch the sixth inning. But you could lose a lot of games hoping that that guy is going to figure that out. Also, if you're talking about like Di Stefani, I mean, he's an older pitcher who's had injury problems. You're not going to push him a lot. So, if again, if they can get five solid innings and and get a lead in the, going to the sixth inning, and then bring in, you know, I mean, Brock Stewart, uh, Varland, Thielbar, Duran, Jax. I mean, that that's uh, that's a pretty good way to win. Yeah, and then they added other guys too in the off season here. I suppose that would be in consideration. Um, Carlos Santana, you were talking about him and his veteran leadership. Um, and, you know, he, he's a guy that takes a lot of walks, right? And he's a switch hitter. Um, his home run totals last year, I mean, pretty good. 23, 86 RBIs, 146 games. Uh, and he's also a pretty good defensive first baseman, isn't he? He's an excellent fielder. He takes good at bats. Um, he's played on a low winning teams. Uh, he gives a switch hitter. Um uh, and he can hit for power. Not tremendous power anymore, but he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, he just deepens, He just deepens, lengthens their lineup, and he gives them another option. He's another guy who can play the field, DH, uh, pinch hit. Um, and, you know, I just think that, I think Rocco really loved the idea. You know, Rocco tried to have kind of a starting lineup early last year, and then it, it injuries and it, slumps and everything else happened. And he just got to a point and said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put out the lineup today 
that I think gives us the best chance. And it might hurt somebody's feelings. It might look unconventional. I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to platoon people. I'm just going to get, you know, I'm going to find a way. And I think they all really liked the results. Um, and now he has another roster like last year that's deep and gives him a lot of pinch hitting options, pinch running options, fielding options, you know, defensive replacements. Um, it, it's, and, and, you know, listen, the star power that everybody wants them to go get in free agency is going to be Correa, Buxton, Royce Lewis having healthy seasons. If those guys are healthy, that means you're going to be have great right-handed bats. You're going to produce a lot of runs. You're going to have excellent fielding. You're going to have leadership. And then everybody else slots in very nicely around those guys. Jim, the uh, Minnesota Wild are back from the All-Star break. They're play, they'll play their next game on Wednesday. Um, as far as moves, uh, do you see them making any moves? Would they be seller here at the deadline? I don't know if Bill, Bill Guerin's a really competitive guy. I don't know if he's going to be willing to sell and give up on the season, but he probably should. This just isn't a good team. They're not a good team. Um, so, and, you know, theoretically they can make a run and get back in contention, but they're really out of it. And they'd have to pass. Not only would they need to make up a lot of points, they'd have to pass a lot of teams, and that's hard. That just, you know, I, Tom Kelly is telling me that. I said, when some of his bad years where they get to the all-star break and they'd be eight games out of the playoffs, something like that. People say, well, you make up eight games. Is that, we might be able to make up eight games on one team, but are we going to make up eight games on five teams or four teams? It's just, it, it's, it's difficult math. So I, I think Garen should sell. I don't know if he will. Jim, the uh, NFL held its uh, pro bowl games yesterday. Any takeaway from what you saw or did you see it? <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think it was one of the greatest flag football games in the history of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, they try to make a big deal about it. I don't know. It seems like the players are at least are having a good time. I I actually like it. Um, you know, I'd rather... This is the NFL admitting that what they used to have as a Pro Bowl game was really fake football. Not everybody was playing hard. Um, you know, defenses weren't playing hard. You weren't hitting hard. Uh so they said, okay, yeah, let's let's play flag football and just have it be fun and have people show their personalities and have celebrity coaches. And I actually think this is good. Uh, you know, I think I think people enjoy seeing the players enjoying themselves. Uh, you get to see, again, I said the other day, you get to see their faces, you get to see their expressions, you get to see them competing, but also having, you know, with an admission that this is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be an exhibition so I, I actually i actually like where they've gone with this how about uh patrick mahomes father pat mahomes arrested on suspicion yeah. of dwi uh sad you know it's he he obviously has a problem um and i i i have a soft spot for him because he he's one of the first twins i met when i started covering the team and i ended up uh staying in touch with him over the years um you know I, I like Patrick. Obviously, you can't go. Dr you can't drive drunk. It's a it's a terrible thing. Um, I hope he gets himself some help. Uh, looks like uh, Kingsbury, the former um, Arizona coach, has landed a job as the OC with uh, the Washington Commanders. Yeah, um, he's an interesting figure. You know, he was kind of like the he became the cliche. He became the living cliche of uh, the old line. Hey. Every NFL owner wants to hire somebody who had lunch with Sean McVay, right? Uh, Kingsbury was that guy. Uh, and he didn't have much success in Arizona. I will say this. 
nobody's really had success in Arizona lately. So maybe it really wasn't all his fault. Um, but, you know, he kind of fit the stereotype of the good-looking young offensive guru. And when you have that, re- when you have that, you know, that look and that Sean McVay vibe about you, if you don't win, you know, you're going to get ridiculed. He, he's obviously a pretty talented offensive coach. Uh, he might be good. Might be a good hire. One last one. Go for men's basketball. Beat Northwestern on Saturday. They got Michigan State at home tomorrow night. Are the Gophers inching closer to the bubble? I think so. I mean, if they can be 500 or better in a very good conference, they're going to go to the tournament, and they should. Um, and I, I'm just really impressed with the way this team is hung together. They've had, you know, the usual assortment of injuries. They aren't as talented as a lot of other teams. They play defense. They play hard. Um, you know, they have good they have good guard play. Uh, I really like the way Christie's developing. Austin Garcia is very willing to be, you know, kind of the man on this team. Uh, so this is, it's been fun. I thought that North, Northwestern game was an absolute blast. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, well, we have the uh, Chris Finch show up on the John Krasinski show. Uh, again, great conversation with Chris, and we really appreciate him coming out. No NBA coach would ever go out to a local podcast. This is very unique. Uh, we have a good uh, chin music with Jeff Diamond. I mean, sorry, chin music with Roy Smalley. We have a really good Jeff Diamond show with him breaking down the Vikings offseason. Everything's at talknorth.com or on your favorite podcast app. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. News from ABC's National.